Good afternoon, Rye Residents. This is Nick Ivanovich, creator and co-host of the All Time Podcast. I'm sitting here with William Danilo, good friend of mine and ad agency veteran. William has worked at Saatchi and Saatchi and was the copywriter for the Tide ad in the Super Bowl that won the Con Lions Award. It's hilarious. It was Terry Bradshaw. It was the pen, the golf cart. And he was once ranked last year in Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30. And now he's doing a podcast for the Rye Record. I'm sure this is a career high for him. Each week, the all-time podcast will discuss a top 10 list in various categories. On tap for this afternoon, ad campaigns. All right. So, William, you know, we, we've each devised our list. And, we, and together, we're going to come up with a top 10 list of ad campaigns. Right, residents, you've probably seen many of these ads in the Super Bowl. Uh, William and I are going to basically spend a couple minutes on, on each ad going over the, the pros and cons of it, why it was special to us. And William will give his expert opinion on it. As the amateur and the creator of this podcast, I'm going to go first because uh, I don't want William to steal this ad. Uh, he probably has this ad on there. Although he was about two when this ad came out. Uh, and uh, it was 1993. I was two when this ad came out. Super Bowl ad for Pepsi with Cindy Crawford. She drives up in a red Testarossa. It was the hot uh, Ferrari model of the time. It was sort of in this dusty general store area. And these two kids who were sort of dead ringers for the movie The Sandlot come out. And they, and they look behind this fence. She gets out of the car. She's in jean cutoff shorts and a white tank top. She might have been 25 when this came out, although she hasn't really aged since then. Uh, I, mean, I don't think anybody's, even at her age now, nobody's kicking around for eating crackers in bed. Uh, but she gets out of the car, and this is when you could still, you know, the, this is when the soda machines didn't have credit cards. You, could, you couldn't pay for them via credit cards. She reaches in, takes off her sunglasses coolly, and pumps a couple of quarters into this machine. And uh, the, the Pepsi can comes out. She, you know, you hear the, 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 the crack of the opening of, yes. the, of, of the can. She starts to drink it, right? She drinks the entire can down, and one of the boys goes, God, that's a great new can. <laughs> and the other young boy goes, yeah, I love it. All right? And this is basically, help, this basically was, was Coke was so, was so dominant up to this, up to this time that this is, this, is when, this is when Pepsi really started to use celebrity endorsers, really, for their, for their, uh, for their ad campaigns. And this was a, a basically, and there, there's been many parodies of this ad campaign. They did one when James sort of, he's a late night host, James. Uh, yeah, James Corden. He does one where he gets out of the car. They're about the same size. Yeah. Yeah, about the same, exactly. He's got his tank top on. He's got his gut hanging out over. Okay. <laughs> so, but but basically, it, it plays on obviously Cindy's beauty and everything like that. But the innocence of it of these two boys, right? Who are you know? And, and there's there, there's some innocence of this is that, and there's some sexual innuendo, but. What, what, what was great is is that Cindy, a model, doesn't speak in this, okay? And and basically, Coke is highlighting its, its brand new can, that they're launching this out there. And who better to launch it out there than Cindy Crawford, the original supermodel. And I think she'd get later... Married later to Richard Gere in the in the in the mid '90s, right before before that that thing fizzled out. But this was the beginning of Pepsi's sort of emergence into the soft in the, into the soft drink market, where they were going to be a competitor to Coke, and they were the ones who used celebrity advertisers, uh, celebrity endorsements, going forward this way. And this was sort of a um, 
uh, a trademark ad, and, and this is sort of the, at the height of when the Super Bowl ads got really creative, and you actually tuned in for the Super Bowl ads, mm -hmm. and the casual Super Bowl viewer, right, uh, whether somebody, would, they're not that, not that into sports, uh, would, they would tune in to the Super Bowl for these type of ads. And Nick, I think that's a great point in terms of the Super Bowl is one of these events where it's not just sports lovers watching it, it's right, it's people who are watching the game for the ads, they're watching for the entertainment for the halftime show, so I think that's a great point in terms of this ad speaks to more than just your kind of standard demographic of the Super Bowl, it speaks to everyone watching the game. And I think what's really cool about this ad is um, there's not much of a creative idea, which is fine because you have Cindy Crawford, which is great. Uh -huh. um, but what I think is cool about it is uh, what you see with a lot of celebrity kind of endorsement ads is that they try to overuse a celebrity, they overwrite the spots, there's wall-to-wall -wall dialogue, you can't understand what the hell's happening, and you don't really get your max, I think, celebrity power because there's too much going on to really focus on what's happening. I think what's really cool about this is actually, again, while there's not much of a creative idea, uh, this is a really subtly done, nicely done ad that really uses Cindy Crawford uh, at her best. They're really maximizing her star power by, as you said before, they're not making her talk, there are no lines. Her pure beauty speaks for itself. You don't really need much more. And you got a nice little quip at the end with these two young kids uh, who crack a joke. And again, they don't over-sexualize it. They don't over-anything. They keep it kind of straight. They keep it fun. Uh, they keep it PG. And I think it's a, it's a really great Super Bowl for that reason. All right. William? Yeah. Uh, so the first on my list uh, is an ad called Sorry I Spent It On Myself uh, from Harvey Nichols. Uh, it was from Christmas a couple years ago, and you know the English are obviously very famous for their, you know, kind of, you know, a bit more blunt humor, uh, and obviously they made prolific ads, and their ads I, I think tend to be a bit more artful than um, American ads. I think a, a British sense of humor is a bit more elevated than American sense of humor, um, and you know I think they're very honest with they're much more honest. I think in America recently we're we're moving away from this, but I think in in England people are much more self-aware. And I think the advertising can be a bit more mean-spirited but still be fun. And so this ad called Sorry I Set Spend It On Myself basically goes, takes this insight of, you know, when, when we're spending all this money on gifts for our friends and family, you can't help but look and say, wow, I spent $1,000 on my friends and family. It would have been much better if I could have spent it on myself. I could have got that jacket, three pairs of shoes, whatever. So basically this ad um, is about a girl and a family and she basically buys her, her family uh, very inexpensive things from, from Harvey Nichols and Harvey Nichols brands things like you know uh, paper clips and, and things of that nature that are super cheap but they're branded with Harvey Nichols so they have the appearance uh, of being expensive while they're actually really cheap so basically she was allowed to buy them gifts from Harvey Nichols which seem expensive but buy them very cheap ones so she was able to keep the money uh, and spend it on herself so this whole campaign is called sorry I spent it on myself so very mean-spirited, but uh, super funny and a very true great insight um, about kind of the mentality at Christmas time that you wish you could spend it uh, on yourself. And they actually made uh, a product line about, uh, called the Sorry I Spent It On Myself line, again, um, that you could buy in store, really cheap things. It was super funny, and, and I think it won a ton of awards at, at Cannes uh, that year. And again, just a really great, insightful ad. Yeah, Christmas time is it can be joyous, and it's also sort of disappointing with the with the gifts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people have come to expect expensive things from their from their loved ones, uh, and uh, they'll always you know come up. Well, I, I just want a coat, right? I just want a coat, but it could be some Dennis Basso fur coat, <laughs> and they have ten grand or something like that. Okay, I just I just want a coat, right? And uh, 
it's something that um, uh, I think the creative the creativeness has been lost in 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 the holiday gifts, right? Mm-hmm. It's always you know you always get points for the most expensive something. Yes. Uh, but the creative has been has been lost, and I love that ad uh, right there. It was short, sort of short lived, and it was only for uh, for for the, holiday, for, yeah. for, for, for the holidays. But those are the ads that and I'll and I'll get into one of those that was only short lived for for four. Basically, it was on for for about four weeks. It was on four consecutive weeks, a different a different ad of this of this company later. But I always find I always find whether it's the Coke ad that was in the uh, the Christmas one mm-hmm. where the polar bear he you know, he slips on the ice and he's joined by a bunch of penguins in the end. But that wasn't sort of that that, that wasn't Coke sort of, you know, year long campaign that way. Um it's always the ads that are the most creative like this one are around this around this holiday season. They're mm-hmm. not a, a year long campaign. And that's a great point. I think, you know, coming from the creative side obviously, when we get a brief from a strategist uh, that's really pointed that's for the Super Bowl or for Christmas or for, you know, a specific reason, it, it actually um, I had a, a great old boss at Saatchi and Saatchi named Javier Campopiano, and he was the chief creative officer there. And Javier used to, he used to say, I always want to live within the box because when I know the box, I know uh, the area which, w- within which I can play. So I think as a creative, um, that's a really good point. And you can just, you can get so much more creative when it's not, the more open-ended a brief, actually, the harder it is to come up with it. Whereas when I know it's for Christmas, instantly my head goes to a couple of places. And so it become, the creative process uh, is much stronger and it's actually much easier. All right. Uh, one of my favorites of all time, uh, 1988, It Must Be the Shoes. Uh, in 1988, Nike had sales of about $600 million. They had already signed Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, global sports icon. He currently owns an NBA team. Uh, but what he means to the fashion world and to the apparel world is actually... Uh, it's it's far it's, it's more it's more far it, it's farther reaching than, than than the average sports fan in the in the United States, and this is where it all began. Here uh, in today's culture, kids wear the Air Jordans, right? And they could be a you know a white chubby kid or something with a 11 inch vertical, right? Okay, but everybody's got to have the Jordans, right? And they were first they were, they were, they were first sold as a basketball shoe, but nearly uh, well I would say from 1988 I would say 30 years later. Um, they are the top sports apparel uh, brand in, in the world. It's the Jordan brand. But It Must Be the Shoes was directed by a young director, Spike Lee. Um, he was uh, the do, do the Right Thing. I think it was, just came out you know, later on that year. And It Must Be the Shoes, basically, is Jordan dunking over mountaintops. This is, you know, they, they would mention... Uh, European cities. He's in Bucharest. He's in he's in Prague. He's in Paris. You know, you you, you can't see him. It must be the shoes, right? And uh, yes, it wasn't Jordan's athleticism that that propelled him with that highly leaping vote. It was the Air Jordans, right? And this is the first time that the hundred dollar basketball sneaker mm-hmm. was ever sold. In this, in, I mean, now if you go to uh, Nike Town, or if you That's go to the base. Uh, the, the, those are the, those are the worst basketball yes. shoes. Are a hundred dollar. They're most of them now are around the three hundred dollar mm-hmm. range. Um, and uh, uh, every kid went out right after this ad, right, and begged their parents for the Air Jordans. Now these were the classic Air Jordans. They were the white ones with the red tips at the front, uh, and uh, 
They were stylish looking. Mm-hmm. They were clean. This was Phil Knight's signature, signature shoe, right? It was, he had signed Michael Jordan in 1985, right? Um, where he was towards the end of his rookie season, he was tearing up the league. He, in the 85, 86 season, he would only play a couple games because of a torn ACL. Um, so they took a big, it was, it was a big gamble on this, uh, on, on this guy. And he became the transcendent superstar, you know, in basketball, and he's a global sports icon. In 1992, four years after this commercial came out, he was the most recognized person in the world, more than more than Bill Clinton. Um, uh, and uh, the Nike brand, the Jordan brand, still to this day generates him seventy million dollars per year. Right? He has not had any meaningful basketball shots since 1998 against the Utah Jazz. Was that the Wizards? Then? No, 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 it was 98. We're not we don't we don't count that part, part part of his career, right? All right. And they have morphed into. They've had some hits and misses over the years with the with the particular types of Jordan brands, right? Yeah. But overall. It's it's yeah. all coming up roses for Phil Knight yeah. and, and Michael Jordan. Jeter was under Jordan. They've Jeter, they've had some great success. Exactly. I think, I think I think this is a great ad you bring up because I think what's so interesting about it, and you bring up the first hundred dollar pair of shoes, is basically that that proves the point of merging utility and fashion, sports and fashion. And I think that is the only justification people can make to spend $100 on a very utilitarian thing. And I think before that, right, people saw basketball shoes and cleats and this and that as I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna play sports. But then suddenly you got a guy like Jordan, you got a director like Spike Lee, and you're, you're, you're bringing art and fashion into the sphere of sports. And I think that allows people to see themselves as fashionistas in a sense for wearing these shoes. So it really transcends sports and, and utility. So I think that's a really cool thing and speaks again to the power of Again, of art and advertising, and not just doing product benefits. Hey, wear these shoes, be a great player. This is really about uh, it's really about pushing the limits, black and white, playing with different film styles. And again, I mean, very fortunately, they took two really good gambles on Jordan and Spike Lee because Spike obviously ended up becoming you know one of the most prolific directors of all time. But I think that's a really really cool cool ad. All right. Yeah. Um, so this next one for me is actually also from a sports brand. Um, and what's kind of funny that you you had that one. Uh, it's for Puma, and Puma is not, you know, Puma. I think for for Usain Bolt, they, that, that's maybe I can't really think of many other athletes that they um, really worked with. But I think when I think of Puma now, I think Puma really stands for fashion. They have Rihanna. They're not really a sports brand anymore. No, they're like they're in uh, what is that the. Uh the, the meatpacking district, right? They have a big flagship Puma store, yeah, right? But all design driven. It's right? all it's all design driven. It's the Puma Black store. Mm-hmm. It's the the, the sneakers. You, you, the sneakers are stylish. You, you wear these out to a restaurant or a club or something like that, and it's you're 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 not on the athletic field for this. No. Um, um, and, and I think what's really cool about this again is they kind of realized I think that their target they were not really athletes anymore. So they made this whole campaign. Basically, it's this beautiful ad where you follow a couple people through probably the hours of midnight, one a.m., two a.m., three a.m., all the way through the morning. And you see them play, you see them bowl, you see them play ping pong, you see them run, you see them grab sandwiches. They're without a doubt intoxicated. Um, And basically what Puma realized, this great insight of we are the after hours athlete. So you don't have to be, you have to play sports to be an athlete. You can go out with your friends, you can go drinking, you can play ping pong, you can do all these sorts of things. And they really tap into this really cool thing about our customers are not buying our shoes or our clothing to play sports in. They're wearing them to be fashionable. And so it was a really, really smart pivot and a really great way to leverage their brand 
And again, it all comes back to being honest with who your customer is and what they're using your product for. And that's a, another great example also of a brand evolving with their brand, right? They, they went from being, again, utilitarian to being all about fashion. So I think it's, again, a really smart play on their part and not easy to do from a marketing standpoint to you know, go from a brand that was founded on being a brand for sports to being a, a brand that's more focused on fashion and it takes them to today. So many brands have failed, but they've you know, clearly been, uh, been very successful at being a fashion brand. I am going to stick in, uh, stick with sort of your, you, you talked about being intoxicated here. We haven't listed any, uh, any alcohol uh, not. commercials. And uh, there's, been, there's been many famous sort of Budweiser commercials ranging from Spuds McKenzie. Yep. He's at Bull Terrier. He was in the 80s. He was the life of the party. Uh, always had the pretty girls, whether they were in Coors commercials, the Silver Bullet, or they're, they're in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. But the, but the but the beer companies never really made fun of their own audience until this commercial, Bud Light's Real Men of Genius, mm-hmm. right? Where they basically make fun of all of the bad ideas you have when sitting sitting around with with each other drinking beer. All men, right, coming up with horrible ideas, right? Yeah, okay. So the Real Men of Genius ran for about a year and a half. It was on radio spots. It was on TV. It ranged from the jean shorts inventor, right, okay, to, to my favorite, right, which is the taco salad inventor. Congratulations, real men of genius. You've created the 12,000 calorie salad, shredded beef, cheese, sour cream, <laughs> in a flaky tortilla shell. And if there's a little room left, we'll throw in some lettuce. <laughs> All right? They're basically... This is the first time, you know, it was, it was always before, it was, hey, beer drinkers, even though with your big guts and everything, you can get these girls, right, that, that, that are in the commercial. This was the first time they had self-deprecating humor, and they, they targeted their audience with making fun of them, saying, hey, this is you, right, okay? Yes. There, there are no pretty girls in this, right? There are no palm trees, right? This is the, this but, is the ad that is, that is that, 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 that I would say is sort of, it was sort of, you know, poised at Trump country, if you will. Yep. Sort of the middle of America, right? Guys sitting around drinking beer, thinking of... <laughs> horrific, horrific ideas. <laughs> Which they think are fantastic. Yes. <laughs> when they're probably drunk. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it's so funny, again, like, you look at a lot of these these beer companies, and, and that's such a famous ad that we reference all the time, and there's a, a Miller High Life campaign from a couple of years back that Fallon in Minneapolis did that was super famous, but again, it's that self-aware humor, and you and you realize that, and, and those are things that stick with you, so it is it is so hard to understand why the beer companies and brands in general don't keep going down that path, right? Why don't they keep doing the self-aware humor? And it's because when they do it, it says they, we really know who our customer is, right? We've got a bunch of guys drinking beer, coming up with terrible ideas who can laugh at themselves. And that's exactly what they want to do. So it's always kind of, uh, again, as a creative, really inexplicable to me when brands are not trying to, to do that more frequently and are trying to appeal to an audience of everyone who ends up being an audience of no one. All right, William, you're next. Um, you're coming up with good ones, by the way. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, the next one is called uh, Burger King. Uh, not called Burger King. It's called Burning Stores by Burger King. It was a print ad from a couple years ago um, that really took off. Again, it won a, it won a ton of awards a couple years ago. Um, and Burger King has been uh, an amazing brand uh, in terms of... Uh, innovative advertising. They've done really great work under Fernando Machado, who's their CMO uh, down in Miami, and uh, they take a ton of risks. And they basically, you know, they throw a bunch of darts at the board, they see which ones stick, and, and they've had a pretty good track record. So 
Burger King, their point of differentiation is they, uh, they, they flame grill their burgers. So when the other guys, you know, uh, McDonald's and whoever else, they microwave their burgers, Burger King actually uses fire, and that's their big point of differentiation. So, uh, you know, obviously Burger King's been around for, for decades, and it's so hard to come with new innovative advertising, but some genius somewhere said, have any of our stores burned down? And I think I have to assume that people in the room said, why, why would we want to market that? And the, the guy said, I'm, again, I'm making all this up, but the guy must have said, because if our store is burned down, that means that we actually use fire. So they made these incredible campaign of sh- literally showing actual Burger King chains that were up in flames, fire departments putting out the fires, and all it said was, I believe it's you know flame grilled. So again, that's such a smart, new, innovative way to say, Hey, here's our point of differentiation. We flame grill our burgers without doing it in some you know tired way. Uh, and again, there's that self awareness of of looking at a negative and actually flipping on its head into a positive. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant campaign. I don't think print can be any can be done any better than that, honestly. No, um, I I remember those actually. Yeah, um, so good. And that you know Burger King over the years is it's been third it's been second yeah you know, nobody's nobody you, McDonald's is the unicorn you you you're never going you can't they're you, not either cooked you, you can't you, you 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 can't touch them um but uh you know Hardee's came up with the ads yep. Hardee's or Carl's Jr's Carl's depending Jr. depending if you vote democrat or 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 republican <laughs> if you're from republican it's a hard the Hardee's they're they're all over the south right yep. but Carl's Jr they're they're uh, out in California Los Angeles yeah in Los Angeles and um they did an ad with I think it was Paris Hilton uh, one year eating, eating a burger. Eating a burger. The, the Super Bowl ad too, maybe. Super Bowl yeah. ad as well. On the okay? car, yeah, yeah. On the car, okay. And that uh, because these uh, the, the, these basically these fast food chains, right? They're they've got to come up with creative ideas because of the especially with with the health food craze that that, that, yep. that, that that's going on now, right? Uh, is that is that they, they have to catch your eye in about in about you know five five pretty much five seconds or less right yep. uh, and that uh, I, I've always the Burger King has had some misses they had that they had the king coming into your home I think on the TV and corner. he went into the Conor McGregor fight too there yeah, were all these things that exactly were kind of crazy yeah um, but I but I, I remember I remember the, uh, the 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 stores burning down I would see those ads uh, I would see them on the, on the subway I would yep. see them. Uh, they were on, on billboards. It is funny though, right? I mean, when you think about burger brands, like it's usually the, the crappier ones that actually do all the advertising. When you get, in LA, you look at In-N-Out, they do barely any advertising yeah. because the product is so good. Yeah. You know, even McDonald's, it seems like, the, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm sure they have a massive ad budget, but I don't, again, I, I actually think, you know, I, I see way more Jack in the Box, Burger King ads than I do McDonald's ads, yeah. to be honest. But McDonald's also obviously has nostalgia just like Coke does and you can't really, you know, compete with that. We yeah. have this, just like Heinz ketchup, we have this flavor ingrained in our brains that is the Big Mac, mm-hmm. and you just can't get out of your head. It's it's now uh, it's actually it's like literally chemical now for us, right? Yeah, you, you need the fries, you need the big the Big Mac. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I've uh, I've always been sort of fascinated. I mean, the McDonald's has had some great ads. They had the sh- the showdown ads with Jordan shooting baskets against Larry Bird in a gymnasium yep. where they would be shooting outside the arena, okay, and they would be, they'd be gambling on the fries, right? Yep. That was sort of McDonald's was, was the signature prize. Wendy's had Where's the Beef, yep. right, which was a popular one with the sort of the moron boyfriend from, uh, uh, what is it, Modern Family. Uh, I believe it was, uh, he's the boyfriend of the, of, of the daughter in Modern Family. Where's the Beef? I think he was, mm-hmm. he was... He 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 was on that commercial, but um, this is our first uh, sort of food one. Okay, I'm gonna stay in the sort Besides of the well, the, the second food one. The, the second, second one exactly. Uh, 
I uh, Gatorade. Okay. Right? I want to be like Mike. Right. I'm like this is a you're double. Love, you're loving Jordan. I'm man. loving Jordan. I'm. A, I've seen the guy live five times, William. See, you, you, huh? you're Jordan. I'm LeBron. You're aging yourself. Here. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm 40 years old. Okay. <laughs> but this is when sports drinks, right? Were not. There was only pretty much. Gatorade was in those glass bottles. I mean, it was, it was created yeah, it out was, of the... It was, it was like a medical drink. It was a medical it drink. It, like it was really... created by a guy named Robert Cade as a doctor out of University of Florida, yep. right? And there's, there's the Florida is the Florida Gators, right? Um, and it was sold sporadically. <laughs> uh, I remember playing soccer as a kid. We had Socko, that, that lemonade with a ton of fructose in there. Sports drinks. Just get you real jacked up. Just, really, just, yeah. <laughs> and you crash. You crash your parents' car. Yes. Burn, burn. <laughs> it's actually great for the parents. You shut exactly, up on the way home. Yeah. Exactly. But 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 this was the first one where a uh, sports drink. They, they, they basically Peggy this was in 1992 at Jordan's peak he had in 1988 before his, it must be the shoes he hadn't won an NBA championship right so he was just an up and coming player yep. now Jordan is the global icon he's off to the Barcelona uh, Olympics in 92 right uh, he's the most recognized person in the world and he was I want to be like Mike uh, he is about to go into the, the, the last Championship of the first three uh, uh, of the first three Pete, but it shows him out there with kids on the playground, showing the human side to him, mm-hmm. right? And also, um, you know, swigging down an ice cold Gatorade, right? After the uh, after the game, uh, and I want to be like Mike, and it had this. It had this really great jingle to it. I want to be like Mike, right? Sing it for us, please. Uh, I cannot sing this song. It, it's terrible. But this was the launch of the sports drink. And this by Pepsi would later acquire Gatorade. Uh, and it is, by the way, it is their number one brand. It beats up their own Pepsi. Which, right? is, which is also hilarious because Coke owns Powerade, which, I mean, I don't even know what Powerade is anymore. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, Coke kills Pepsi, but then when it comes to Gatorade, they then, I think crazy. LeBron James was like, was like a brief spot. For a second, right? Was yeah. like, he was in Dirt's or Powerade, and they're like, what was this terrible? Is- what was a terrible Kobe Ryan drink they tried to do? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, was with James Harden too. Kobe Bryant tried to launch him terrible yeah, short-lived yeah. drink as well. Yeah. yeah. So with, with with sports drinks, right now you have you can have you can have twenty different sodas, right? But with a sports drink, there's just Gatorade. Now Gatorade is, is filled with sugar. Body armor, sorry, that was yeah. yeah, yeah body Gatorade is filled with sugar, and it's got and they've even created a second line called the G two line, which is the like low half, calorie the one, low right? calorie one, right? But Jordan, Jordan really, uh, along with um, along with some of, some of the other brands that he helped launch, Hanes Underwear. Um, uh, he did Duracell for a little bit, uh, and then um, of course it was Nike. Uh, but Jordan really launched uh, launched Gatorade. Gatorade was always attached to sports. Uh, it's great for hangovers. Uh, yeah, again, were, it, it's evolved. It's evolved now. It's actually. evolved it's now. Evolved, it's evolved yeah. now. So people who are not who are who are drinking this casually, and yes. that's why they came out with the G two, which is the lower calorie one. Uh, but uh, Gatorade was always it was always associated with uh, with the with the with the after sports drink, right? People would now go instead of instead of giving this is before parents said, "Hey, drink more water, Johnny." Yeah. Right? This was 
you 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 have the Gatorade after the sports match, right? They they took they took the place of the Capri Suns, those uh, those drinks that you give the little kids yeah, playing yeah. soccer. Now is and they they have the little bottles, it's right? The same thing there, right? Gatorade. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> the same thing. But they create the little bottles, right? Especially for the junior sports athletes. Yeah. The junior sports athletes, they were like eight ounces, and they have the sixteen ounces for the, sort of the the teens and the adults that way. But Jordan really launched this uh, uh, sports drink brand, and uh, you know, it is. It actually beats out its own by PepsiCo. Yep. However, it sells more than PepsiCo. It's crazy. And, and, you know, I think, I think this just shows the power of celebrity marketing. You know, similarly with the Cindy Crawford thing, like, what, is, what I was thinking about is crazy is, you know, Gatorade took a, took a gamble. I guess it wasn't really a gamble on Jordan at this point. But if it had been Powerade, who knows where Powerade would be now? You know what I mean? The, the products are almost identical, but Gatorade, it, this proves the power of marketing again, right? You, get, you, you tack your brand onto Jordan, you have him be your spokesperson, um, and, and the sky is truly the limit. Um, and this is such classic 90s advertising. You know, there's a jingle, it's feel good, it's whatever, it's really not very funny. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great classic ad. Oh, I was, uh, I believe I was 14 when that ad came out, and I had, I owned the Jordan Jammer. Jordan has been, uh, has what been, is the Jordan Jammer? The Jordan so. Jammer. Jordan has been telling lies to the suburban community for years. <laughs> the Jordan Jammer is a seven-foot basketball hoop that that parents would buy their kids when they were like 11 if they wanted to jam like Jordan, right? Yes. And then you like you could, could you, dunk. Could you even dunk on a seven-foot hoop? Yes. Okay. No. Yes. Yes. I could dunk. Terrible vertical, isn't that? I have a terrible vertical. I could still get up for for this, for this one. I could. I could. Not buying this up for the record. Yeah. No. no this no. <laughs> seven foot hoop. I could on the ten foot hoop, which is the pro level. I could not. Okay. <laughs> yes. I blame, I blame Jordan for, for for many things. However, he gave us Gatorade and he gave us the Air Jordans. Yeah. All right, William. Your number. Your. I believe this is your fourth on the. It is. Uh, on the list. Uh, I'm gonna do uh, a Super Bowl ad for this one. Uh, it is an E-Trade ad um, uh, from from a bunch of years ago. Uh, I believe it's a Jerry Graff ad. Jerry Graff is one of the most prolific advertisers. Um, he owns a company now called Barton F. Graff. He was CCO at, at Sachi and Sachi for a while. He is so funny and he has the weirdest quirky sense of humor. Um, but basically this ad is for, again, for E-Trade and it takes the piss out of Super Bowl advertising. Basically. You know, we, we live in a time where Super Bowl, Super Bowl ads cost $5 million. I think probably at this point it costs $3 million, whatever. So basically, it's, again, a 30-second Super Bowl ad. And, you, you again, in, in all these other ads, you see celebrities, 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 and these brands making these big statements. And suddenly, it's a monkey clapping these, th- clapping these yeah. things together. And he just keeps going for 25 seconds like this. And you're saying, what the hell is going on? I remember that from the Super Bowl. And I mean, you're literally wondering what the hell. And you've, again, the Super Bowl, you have a captive audience. And I believe the line was something like, well, we just wasted $3 million. What are you doing with your money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to Nick's point before, I mean, the more, right, they could never have written this ad for anything but the Super Bowl. And knowing they were writing a Super Bowl ad allowed them to get so much more creative and say, hey, how stupid is it that all these brands are spending $3 million on Super Bowl advertising? Let's basically, you know, let's basically be the anti-Super Bowl ad this year and be that self-aware. Uh, and it is just... To me, it is best in class advertising, Super Bowl or anything, and it is just, it is so good. Uh, my last uh, uh, ad on the, on the docket for me, William's got one more to go, is uh, the most interesting man in the world. Dos Equis. Uh, Dos Equis. Uh, this, was, this, this was an ad that launched, I would say, eight to about, about, yeah. about eight years ago, 
and the actor in it is a guy named Jonathan Goldsmith. Yes. A uh, little known fact about it. Um, he's not actually Spanish, is he? No, he's is not. He's from like Queens or something? Or yeah, he's from Queens, okay? He's from Queens. But he put, but he put the Latin, put the Latin accent on it, right? And, um, and what, it, what it was great about this commercial is, is, it, is that, you know, Bud Light and Coors, uh, Bud, you know, Bud and Coors and, and Miller had been dominating sort of the, uh, uh, the airwaves and, uh, for years. And then uh, Dos Equis really came up with this creative ad because they're, they're trying to get, uh, you know, their share of the beer market, right? And, and, and this basically brought on a whole bunch of ads to follow mm -hmm. from smaller beer companies just like that who were taking a slice out of InBev's and, yep. and, 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 and SAB Miller. Yep. I believe those are the parent companies of sort of uh, Budweiser and Miller still to this day. Uh, the the uh, the most interesting man in the world is is that um, they would have these fu funny sort of uh, slogans like Art appraises him or <laughs> his other one was my favorite one is Cougars. I have a strict catch and release policy policy <laughs> for them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and they would do these black and white still shots of him in these athletic feats. So epic. He's like <laughs> he's about five foot five, this guy, right? Uh, and he'd be surfing these big waves in Hawaii and these you know, these island girls would be putting the lays around him and things like that. Uh, so it's the the most interesting man in the world. Uh, they had to do something uh, uh, basically to give a, a spin on this Mexican beer company. I know Corona was sort of the major player of the Mexican beer companies at the time. Uh, and Corona, growing up in California, I was too young to drink, but I would later go back to California after college where I was legal to drink. Corona was the dominant mm -hmm. uh, uh, beer player out there. Uh, it's, you know, they have, in college, you know, in, the, in the Northeast, you have, you know, dollar, you know, Michelob nights or something because Michelob is the worst... Is the worst beer or something? I would say, I would say Natty Light is the, Natty Light. Is, okay, is, is the I don't worst think beer. they serve that. Yes, Natty Light. Natty Light. I don't think they serve that bars. Uh, but 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 in California, it would be you know it would be a dollar fifty uh, Corona nights or something like that, and everybody would come out. Um, and then and so but that was sort of the major player, and everybody yep. everybody in California. Well, it doesn't matter your, your, your nationality or heritage. You celebrate Cinco de Mayo, right? Yep. You know somebody who's Mexican or something like that. Come on. Come on over. Come on over, right? And so San Diego, which is a huge Hispanic population, this was, the, this was really dominated uh, by Corona. For, you know, they, would sponsor these, they would sponsor Cinco de Mayo. And so for this, for this other Mexican beer brand to, to, to basically yeah. gain entry into this area, in, into this honor, it, 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 it started out as a niche market, right? But now they're a national brand of, uh, of Dos Equis, is that uh, they had to come up with something truly creative and had nothing to do with beer, right? Coronas is always have a career, it's like enjoy your enjoy yeah. your beach day, right? There's the pretty girls. The party doesn't really start until, until the, the corona's open. Until the yeah. corona, it rolls down a, sta uh, a stairway. Find, find your beach, is that Yeah, it? find your beach, right, okay? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's find your beach. It was it, it was find your beach. Basically, the Corona bottle it rolls down a you know ten flights of stairs and goes to the beach, and then somebody, it's on the beach, and then somebody opens. And they're it. all ridiculous. Yeah. And I, yes, I, I'm totally with you. And they, and they did something truly creative that had really very little to do with beer. Nothing. Um, I think I think my favorite one is he gave his father the talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, I think what, what what's really interesting about that campaign is. You know, as you're talking about Bud Light, Budweiser, Coors, and, and all those brands, and I think 
the insight they came up with, which is really interesting, is don't be like everyone else and get to the bar and be the guy ordering Bud Light or Budweiser or Coors or Coors Light. Be different. Be interesting. And when you order Dos Equis, everyone, people stop and say, whoa, Dos Equis, really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why the hell you'd order Dos Equis. That, that, that being said, I mean, uh, they gave people a reason to do that, right? That's great fodder. And then suddenly, and a point that I think is really important here is they were able to permeate culture. And I think this is, this is actually the first ad that we've talked about so far that became so much beyond advertising. And this is what every advertiser is trying to do. Let's make content, not ads. And that is such a, to me, I, I always find that ridiculous when people say it because that's, that's basically saying let's reach for the sun and everything. And you know, you need to come up with a, again, you should try to do that, but it's, it's such, a, such a crazy high bar. But it also just proves um, what a great creative idea is. And this was, was truly that. It permeated culture. It's still referenced all the time. People say to bars, it's just uh, 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 funny that a beer brand actually made an icebreaker for so many you know, conversations. Yeah. I mean, this is, for, for a while, I wouldn't say that this is at the magnitude of, of, of Dave Chappelle's favorite, f- famous skit, uh, you know, Eat True Hollywood Stories with, uh, with Charlie Murphy and Rick James. Rick James, right? yes, yes. Rick James, right? I mean, I, we, we can't say this on the Rye no, Record. Dot, dot com. But the Rick James quotes, I heard them in Las Vegas at a, at, at, a, at a fish concert, and I can't stand fish, but I was in Vegas, I was, there, was a, there was a woman, so I went <laughs> for, for, for her, she liked, she liked the fish. I'm going to ask this, Nick about the story uh, right? a little later she, on. Yeah. She, she liked the fish, but I heard from all of these sort of wannabe hippies, they were spouting out <laughs> Rick James lines, right? But isn't that crazy that, that like, uh, Chappelle, obviously, he, he what he does is he creates culture, but an advertiser, a beer brand, actually was able to yes. create culture as well. That is crazy. Like Even when you look at the you know, Coca-Cola Bears or any of these things, th- those things are a part of the world. They're not really a part of culture. Mm-hmm. Dos Equis was, was really a part of culture. He became a star, and he actually retired after... Uh after eight, uh, after about doing it for, I think it's got to be five or six years. Longer and, than I think they and, it's longer than and they And they brought in this new guy who wasn't he's, as good. He's horrific. He's horrible. He's the worst. He was, pull the ads. Pull the ads. They're, pull still, the ads. they're, they're still in them. Pull them. They're terrible. But this guy became a star, right? Just based off this Goldsmith. ad. Goldsmith. Yes. Goldsmith. He was, on, he was on TV shows. He was on SportsCenter. The flagship, he was on Mike and Mike in the morning, right? And the 6 o'clock Sports Center. All right, okay? Because everybody wanted to meet this guy because he had the funniest lines ever. 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 And it was, Such great and it was done by an older man. It was kind of in this old-style Playboy sort of way, yep. which was a throwback it was. to the... To the to, to to the beer commercials and the alcohol commercials done in print in like the 1960s, which I thought was great, uh, but it was it was ridiculous. And the fact is, that they didn't they didn't bring in like a celebrity like George Clooney to do this, where you could some somebody would say, oh, this is sort of sexist today, or or this is this guy, he's a nobody, nobody's ever seen this guy before, but he becomes this national star for about for for, for a couple of years, yeah, and they've ruined the ad since. They have. <laughs> and I think you know another point here is you know there are really great writers in advertising I think this is this proves that point exactly right I mean a couple of great writers actually one of my a guy who who was a a teacher of mine this guy Paul Fix I think wrote a bunch of them I mean there are just some phenomenal writers who were able to propel this guy and this brand to fame from nothing and I think to that point I had heard this story and and again I don't want to be 100% quote on this but I believe Dos Equis ran those ads like 15 years ago for the first time on the west coast 
And then suddenly they blew up and they got a national ad buy. So literally it was this, you know, crappy little beer company that could only afford to advertise (laughs) on the West Coast. And then suddenly – Yeah, yeah, right. At a 3 a.m. spot uh, during an infomercial. And and, and then suddenly they were able to propel themselves to have a national media – you know, I think they're owned by Heineken maybe. Am I making this up? I think they're – today they're owned by Heineken, yes. Um, Crazy stuff. But uh, all right, this is the last. Yes. So rounding out there are our top ten. Okay. Uh, so this one is called uh, Sony Double Life. Uh, again, another another uh, English ad. Uh, to me, this is all time. Um, basically, uh, the ad is shot super artistically, beautifully, uh, in very kind of Errol Morris, very up close and personal kind of uh, profile shots. These people who are saying things like, "I've led armies." Um, you know, I've killed without remorse and saying these very, very brutal things um, that they've done and, and admitting to doing terrible, shady, awful things, committing murder and enjoying it. And then at the end, basically realizes an ad for Sony, for PlayStation. And that was such a great insight that uh, us as people and a reason to me, it got to why video games are so amazing, whether it's NBA 2K or you're, you're playing, you know, Call of Duty or whatever. Um, what it allows us to do is, you know, we lead our lives and, and, you know, a lot of us have very interesting lives, but yeah, we're not Navy SEALs. We didn't, you know, we didn't all fight in World War II. We can't play in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people in front of a sold out crowd. And video games have the power to let us lead a double life. So for me, that is just, again, I keep saying insight over and over again. I'm sorry if I'm belaboring the point, but that is the hardest thing to come with advertising is a fresh insight. And I think Sony knocked it out of the park with, with double life. Well, these video games have created an addiction uh, in, this, in, in this country, and their ads have been fantastic for them. Uh, they've been the James Bond ad uh, for them. It's the Bond game mm-hmm. years ago. Um, uh, was it N64 or whatever? Yes, exactly. It was it was, ago, yeah. Exactly. And uh, uh, there's a gaming company in China called Tencent, uh, and uh, now they regulate the amount of time that you can play. Uh, a video game. Yeah, right? come with the cigarette companies is crazy, right? Yeah, uh, they they shut it off, and they obviously can look into your data yeah. of what else you're looking at as well. But um, uh, you know, the Chinese government have Tencent is the biggest gaming company there, uh, and everybody's addicted to these to this gaming style. Uh, whether it's and gaming has has had its influence not only in enter, in the entertainment and the, in, the, in the gambling part of it, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's sort of a lots of uh, lots of other industries have, have sort of added the, the, the gaming influence. They always take a sort of a page from gaming this way. Mm-hmm. And gaming, yeah, the, the gaming commercials have, have always been, have always, a lot of them, depending on the brand, it could be Nintendo for Game Boys, or it could be the Sega's one. Was, was, these was, are the was, classic ones. These are the, the classic ones, right? Sonic. But, but when, 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 they, when they created the first, the first sort of you know, high-def sort of super... Super gaming system, whether it was the, the first-person uh, games, yeah, it was was uh, the Microsoft. Uh, what is that? The uh, Xbox. The Xbox, right? Xbox, uh, Xbox, and the PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, these were the gaming consoles that, that 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 were in a different league, and they sort of had to be the commercials had to be a little higher brow, mm-hmm. could be darker, could be a little deeper, right? Uh, and because these games let us, let us 
we all we all have you know th- things in us that would love to do some of these things right yeah. which you know we're right or wrong and grieving or whatever yeah but we all do and I think these games let us reach into that part of our lives and live those lives yeah um, but I, I'm totally with you they, they got higher brow Call of Duty 72 and Sunny uh, out in Los Angeles they make really great ads um, uh-huh. for, for Call of Duty um, yeah video game ads are definitely um, are definitely great now and um, Call of Duty actually they. Uh, they make some crazy immersive advertising. They they just they do a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean the the the, the video games. I mean they they've they're they're with all the other streaming services out there. Yeah. Um, they have you know they have remained uh, they they've they've actually expanded their audience. Uh, it used to be just for up until college. I remember playing Madden in college. John Madden. That uh, is the the college video game. Yeah, the guy you would have some dip in your mouth. <laughs> There'd be, a, there'd be a, a group spittoon, which you're hoping did, did not hit the shag carpeting or whatever, 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 whatever was the carpeting. That a terrible did. Bob Dylan poster over your it, bed, probably. Yeah, so it, it definitely, like, like you know, I was a really deep human being then. I'm sure you were. Uh, but you would, play the, you would play this Madden game until it was time to either go to, or go to class or shower, <laughs> not necessarily in, in, in that order, uh, and um, uh, it was sort of a, it, it became sort of like, a, this was for a while at least, in the late 90s and early 2000s, before these gaming systems sort of got this greater audience, is that was the cutoff age, right? Then everybody went to work after that. Now, now it's everyone. Now it's any everybody. Age. It's any age, right? They're, 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 my, my brother plays, this is like his, his, you know, this is where he sort of steps out on the misses here. I'm sure he's he, thrilled that you're saying this right he, now. Yeah, yeah, he loves it, right? You know, some guys have messages. My brother at, you know, one in the morning or something, if he can't sleep, he'll play like Halo or something like that. That's a really great way to put yourself in sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he loves Halo, right? Okay. <laughs> and so, and so, remember, he's 38 years old though, right? Uh, it's not like he's doing this every day or, or anything like that, but it's something that you can do. For a couple hours a week, and uh, and it, it takes your mind off the yeah. world. It's, it's, but it it's does. Not a bad thing. Yeah. It does. It it's an it's just like it's just like any other parts of the entertainment industry. You're they're they're selling a fantasy. Yep. All right. Well, this concludes the first ever all time podcast. Next up, my mom and Sean Diaz, fellow Rye residents, will be discussing the top ten leading men of all time. I will be bowing out of this conversation. I will listen to this though for sure. But we'll be returning on Saturday. With my brother, co-host of Movie Night, to do the top ten women in Hollywood all time and their particular movies. Here's my sleeper, by the way, for that one. Eva Mendez in Training Day, right? Yes. She's she 24 and fantastic. She's like the Latin Cindy Crawford for me, going back to Cindy. <laughs> Got the mole there. It's a suburban thing, America, but you get it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it.